Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Wrigley Field in Chicago, it's the Cubs 7, the Indians 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And that game did not go how the Indians planned it, and that got out of hand pretty quickly. The good news is that we don't lose any ground in the division because the Chicago White Sox are in Pittsburgh right now, and apparently Pittsburgh eats the AL Central for breakfast, lunch, and dinner because they uh, they beat the White Sox 6-3. to So, uh, I don't know. Pittsburgh has the AL Central's number, apparently. So, the Indians split the little two-game series with the Cubs, and it was an electric uh, atmosphere in Wrigley Field. The Cubs fans really... I don't think they've forgotten 2016 either. They really wanted to see the Cubs beat up on the Indians. Or maybe they're just like that every game. Who knows? They are quite the fan base out there in Wrigley. So, let's get into the storylines. Let's break down how this happened. What went down in this game. And frankly, you know, the top of our order did not come through yesterday. The top of their order did come through yesterday. Um, they're one hitter and it's a little bit crazy in the box score because eventually they do a double switch. So you got a bunch of pitchers and pinch hitters that eventually fill in in the number one spot for Jock Peterson. But Peterson with two RBIs, the big double, um, Chris Bryant had a big hit. He had the big home run off of Eli Morgan, Javi Baez with a big RBI hit, Wilson Contreras with two RBIs and two hits Contreras, my God. And then Patrick Wisdom. Uh, he also had a big home run, a big RBI hit. So all the RBIs come from their one through five hitters, the top of their lineup delivering. Top of our lineup did not deliver. Uh, Cesar Hernandez had a hit and a walk, but wasn't able to score on any of them. Ahmed Rosario did have the RBI fielder's choice. Uh, Jose Ramirez, nothing to show yesterday, although he did hit some balls hard yesterday. Eddie Rosario only had one hit. Bobby Bradley, nothing. Naylor, LaVarnway, and Zimmer really uh, put together a few hits, including putting together a run um, in that eighth inning. Also, Ernie Clement with a pinch hit in the ninth spot. But, I mean, it was it was a rally in that eighth inning. It was a chance in that eighth inning. I mean, it was only a 5 nothing game at that point, and we had the bases loaded with Ahmed Rosario up. So we had a chance in that eighth inning, but we're only able to scratch across one run. And then they add two more in the eighth on two solo home runs. So they really, really, uh, you know, blow it out at that point. Blow out their lead. One of the home runs, uh, I forget who uh, it's, uh, who hit theirs first. I think it was Wilson Contreras. Uh, his home run, it looked like Bradley Zimmer actually had a line on catching that one. Except for that stupid, silly basket out there in center field uh, that the Cubs at Wrigley Field has. So, I mean, if you were listening to the game on the radio, obviously the iconic brick wall with the IV was in full bloom out there in Wrigley. But at the top of the wall, instead of just having a normal top of the wall, they have this little fence that juts out on an angle towards the field of play. That, number one, it keeps fans from interfering. So that's the good news. Uh, The bad news is that an outfielder can get right underneath the ball. A ball that they would normally be able to leap over a fence and catch, right? In Cleveland, you can climb the pad a little bit and go for these. Uh, In other ballparks, you can leap the center field fence and try to catch these. 
but the stupid basket cuts on an angle out towards the player, so he's just stranded underneath the basket. And that's exactly what happened to Bradley Zimmer last night. He had that Wilson Contreras. I'm telling you, he had that one lined up. He was right underneath it, and uh, nothing he could do. Once it's in the basket, it's in the basket. So the Cubs really, really go off on the Indians yesterday. Three home runs for the Cubs yesterday. And uh, Wilson Contreras, my God. My God, is he just going off against Cleveland? Oh, good. Baseball Reference has updated since the game yesterday. So in four games against the Indians, he is 10 for 15 with two doubles and a home run and three RBIs, two walks and two strikeouts. He's hitting 667 against the Cleveland Indians. He's slugging 1,000. His OPS is 1.706. By far, the best against any opponent he has faced uh, in in baseball this season. Uh, his OPS is decent, is great against the Brewers, although his batting average is terrible. He's hitting 190 against the Brewers, but he has hit three home runs, which gives him a 1.012 OPS uh, in uh, six games started against them, eight games played. Against Atlanta, he's got a 969 OPS. So these are teams he faces a lot. He's faced Atlanta seven times. He faced the Indians four times. He's only going to face the Indians four times. I mean, 1.706 OPS. That is insane. That is crazy. So yeah, Wilson Contreras, definitely. I, I don't know what it is about the Indians, but he... And he seemed angry about it, right? He's he he's holding some kind of grudge against the Cleveland Indians, but yeah, Contreras is destroying us. Um, and I believe all those extra base hits came in this series. I think he had two doubles yesterday and the home run, or two days ago, and then the home run last night. So I think all those extra base hits came in this short two-game series. So, I mean, that's the story on offense. The real storyline of this game is the pitching duel between Eli Morgan and Kyle Hendricks because through five innings, both guys were absolutely dealing. And uh, Eli Morgan, I think, was out-dueling Hendricks. I mean, he had nine strikeouts through five innings, had given up the solo home run, but that was really it. That was really only damage through those first five innings. Hendricks... Went six innings eventually in this game. Gave up four hits, no runs, no walks, five strikeouts. No walks from either pitcher. However, Hendricks was hard hit seven times. Eli Morgan eventually was hard hit five times. A couple of those hard hit balls were in the sixth inning when uh, Eli Morgan would eventually get chased from the game. Uh, Alcantara's double to left field was at 95.9. Uh, Ortega's single was only 87.7. That's the one where they held Alcantara around third base. But then Jock Peterson's double was at 108.3. Jock Peterson's double would be the last batter that Eli Morgan would face. Sandlin would come in after that and would not go that great for Sandlin because he wasn't throwing strikes. Uh, But Eli Morgan, yeah, he he had a pretty rough three batters there in that sixth inning. And to be honest with you, I put a lot of blame on Eddie Rosario's shoulders. Now, they did come up, and the first three guys all got hits. But Eddie Rosario absolutely should have caught Alcantara's double to start the inning in the left field. He got turned around in left field 
first looks over his left shoulder, then flips around and looks over his right shoulder, then literally just flips his glove in hopes of the ball landing in it. I don't know. Uh, He got desperate out there. If he gets a read on this ball off the bat, if he gets a better jump on this ball and doesn't turn around, doesn't twist around, if he stays over his left shoulder, I think he runs this ball down. We've seen Eddie Rosario can run a ball down. If we could say anything about Eddie Rosario, yeah, he may sail his throws all the time. He may think he has a better arm than he actually does or a more accurate arm than he actually does. But the one thing we could say is that he does run balls down out there in left field. So it was really surprising to see him get so twisted up. I mean, he looked bad flailing his glove at it. So uh, I, honest to God, I mean, I could see them marking that in error because it was that bad of an attempt by an outfielder to catch that ball. But it's over his head. It goes for a double. And that really sets Eli Morgan up for trouble. So the changeup, which had been very effective for him, Uh, Throughout the game, getting strikeouts kind of fails him here in this inning. Uh, Or the one Ortega eventually hits for the single was a changeup. It was a changeup away that Ortega is able to pull in the right field, which was surprising. But he did keep the bat back. He did stay patient on the ball and shoot it through the gap. And then the first pitch to Jock Peterson, he threw him a slider that broke right over the middle of the plate. Kind of hung a slider for him. And he hits it out to center field for that double. But goes opposite field with it. So that was interesting, right? Uh, something that Jock Peterson probably would have tried to pull for a home run earlier in the game. He stays back on it and takes it the opposite field in the left center field for that double. So Eli Morgan runs into trouble. But but that's the, that's the bad news. We got to talk about the good news for Eli Morgan. And the good news is that he was really dominant for the first five innings of this game. And he was working, those nine strikeouts, was really working on the changeup away from the lefties and was pounding the outside edge with the fastball and the slider against the righties. And that is really good to see. I mean, going to the illustrator, he is really pounding from the catcher's view, the right side of the plate with that fastball. He's either up or he's on the right edge of the plate. And I mean, on the edge. I mean, painting with that fastball uh, and then pounding that slider away. And then the changeup falls down and away from the lefties down to the left edge of the plate from the catcher's view. So really a good job of working the slider and fastball to one side, the changeup to in the other. That's got to be really tough on some of these hitters. And going to the breakdown, it was working. I mean, he was getting swings and misses on all his pitches, especially that changeup. 12 swings, Seven whiffs on that changeup. Carried a 50% CSW on the changeup. Carried a 52% CSW on the fastball because he got so many called strikes on it. 12 called strikes on 31 fastballs. So, overall for the day, it's a 39 swings, 14 whiffs, good for a 36%. Pretty darn good. A 38% CSW total on the day for him. The slider did get hit hard. Um... That one got hit hard twice, uh, but the other pitches, he really did a good job of keeping them off balance with the fastball and changeup combo, and that's what he's kind of known for. Did Only threw the curveball once, so didn't have a lot of confidence in that curveball, but the fastball 31 times, the slider 23 times, the changeup only 16 times. He used it when it counted. 
And he seemed to use it a lot against those left-handed hitters because the pitch falls away from those left-handed hitters. And they were flailing at it, especially early in this game. Nine strikeouts to the tune of nine strikeouts in five innings. That is pretty good stuff from Eli Morgan. On the other side, Hendricks threw the changeup a ton, of course. You know the Indians struggling against the changeup, but they didn't do that bad. Um, they really didn't do that bad against the changeup. Uh, they swung 30 times at his changeup. In 39 changeups, they swung 30 times. Uh, eight whiffs, no called strikes on the changeup. Now, they did foul it off 10 times, but they hit it in play 12 times. So they were ready for the changeup yesterday. Uh, that sinker pitch, they also they fouled that one off 12 times. He got 11 called strikes on the sinker, so the sinker was effective. Uh, the fastball, we were hitting hard. Uh, the fastball, we were ready for. Uh, yeah, and we were hitting that pitch hard. So, obviously, this team is known for hitting fastballs, known for struggling against changeups. And Hedricks was able to make that work. Now, he did give up a ton of hard-hit balls, and some of these were very unlucky for the Cleveland Indians hitters. Uh, the hardest-hit ball off of Hendricks yesterday was a line-out by Bradley Zimmer at 111.8 miles per hour. Had an expected batting average of 770, but it goes for a line-out. Lavarnaway's double was at 107.2. Bobby Bradley lined out, I believe, to second base. That was a 106.9 exit velocity. Had an expected batting average of 890. 890, almost 90% of the time that's going to be a hit. But it goes as a line-out here. Uh, Naylor would uh, single hard uh, off of Hendricks. Bradley Zimmer would fly out hard. Jose Ramirez would line out. I think that was the line out to right field that um, the right fielder, and I'm totally stalling for time, Hayward made a nice sliding catch. on That had an expected batting average of 670. And then uh, Eddie Rosario's single was the last hard hit ball of the day. So seven hard hit balls on the day, and Hendricks just gets lucky with some of them. They go for lineouts. Um, I mean, those expected bad ever just tell you everything you need to know about how lucky Hendricks got on the day. So it could have been so much more for the Indians, and it just wasn't. Sandlin came in from the bullpen and struggled to throw strikes. Uh, let's see what his totals were on the day. 28 pitches, only 14 strikes. That's not going to be good enough. He's got to be pounding the strike zone with that slider-fastball combo. More than that, Parker comes in and gets out of it. Nelson has a good inning. Trevor Steffen gives up the two solo home runs in the eighth inning. Um, so he gets hit around pretty hard, even though he was throwing strikes. Sometimes you throw too many, and uh, they were locked in at that point. I mean, the Cubs were really rolling at that point and put two out for home runs. So... There's your storylines. There's your game. I mean, it was really this pitching duel between Eli Morgan and Kyle Hendricks. And Eli Morgan has absolutely earned more chances to start. He has absolutely earned a spot in the rotation in my eyes. That changeup is to be believed. I mean, that changeup is really, really dangerous against those left-handed hitters. So he is definitely going to get another start for Cleveland. In fact, they've announced the... Um, They've announced the rotation for the Minnesota series, and it's the four pitchers you think it is. It's the four pitchers left standing. It's going to be Mejia on Thursday against Barrios. It's going to be Quantrill against Dominic on Friday. It's going to be Henches against Maida on Saturday. And on Sunday, it's going to be Morgan again against J-Hap. So there you go. With the off day 
today, they get a chance to use those four starters again um, on normal rest. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, to see then when they've come home against Detroit, who will pitch that game. Are they going to do what they talked about with Mejia, where he only goes like three innings, four innings, keep him under 50 pitches so that he could turn around and start again on Monday? They'd have to do that with everybody. I mean, there's no off days until the All-Star game. So they'd have to do that with everybody. Or they're going to have to do a bullpen game, right? They could do that. So they could go four starters, then a bullpen game with Mayton maybe being the opener, Trevor Steffen maybe being the opener. Or they can call someone up from AAA, and they've got McKenzie down there. Um, I think uh, McCarty is the other guy who's been starting a ton down there. Uh, Do they give somebody else an opportunity? Do they give another rookie an opportunity to come up here and start? I don't know. We'll see as we get closer. We'll see after uh, JC Mejia start, right? Obviously, what they do with Mejia on Thursday night will clue you into what the decision will be on Monday. Because it's either going to be Mejia with a short start so that he can come back on Monday. If he goes deep into that game, they're going with another option. Either a bullpen day or they're calling someone else up from AAA. So they are going to have to run from Thursday through the All-Star game with no off days. So they're going to have to come up for a solution for that fifth day. Still no official word on Savali's finger, although... I think everyone was hinting that it's probably going to be an IL stint, meaning all three of your starters are now on the IL together. You cannot, I mean, you would have liked the Indians to have a little bit of insurance, but, I mean, you can't really foretell that happening. All three guys getting hurt at the same time is some really bad luck. Uh, I mean, if they were to spread these out throughout the season at least, Uh, it would help the pitching staff a little bit. Because like we said, everybody's pitching staff is dealing with injuries. Um, So yeah, so it is some really, really bad luck for the Indians. Just like all those lineouts last night. So that's everything going on with the Indians. In national news, in in full MLB news, the uh, sticky substance crackdown has begun. And if you didn't get to see the highlights of the, uh, was it the Phillies-Nationals game? Yesterday, uh, Max Scherzer was on the mound for the Nationals. And yeah, they were facing the Phillies, who's managed by Girardi now. And they kept inspecting Scherzer, and he was not having it. And Girardi actually asked the umpires to go check him on the mound. And uh, Scherzer was losing it, losing his mind on the mound. Very angry, very upset throws his hat down, you know, he's ready to strip off his clothes to prove that he doesn't have any sticky substances on him. And um, the ironic part is that you would think the manager would do that to get the pitcher off his game, right? To get the pitcher all riled up. Well, what turns out happening is Girardi gets all riled up. What ends up happening is Girardi actually ends up, Scherzer calls him out basically as he's walking off the field. And Girardi comes out of the dugout and basically offers to fight him right there on the field. Says, you want to go? Mouths basically, you want to go? Let's go. And uh, immediately gets ejected from the game. As the umpire, or as the uh, manager, I mean, it's like the teacher picking a fight with his students in high school. Like, you have to have the cooler head. You are the responsible party here. You shouldn't be coming out on the field challenging active players to fights. 
I mean, if you want to go challenge the manager from the other team to a fight, I guess that's fair. But yeah, you should be the cooler head in this situation. And he immediately gets tossed. And Scherzer pitches a fine five innings, gets the win, eight strikeouts. Um, so yeah, so Scherzer takes the W and Girardi takes a seat in the clubhouse. So that was the big story in national news. Um, I, outside of Major League Baseball, the Cavs end up with a third pick in the NBA draft. So that's some cool stuff. I am a diehard Cleveland sports fan. I watch all three sports. However, I, I do a baseball podcast because there ain't that much baseball talk out there. So I thought I'd bring a little baseball talk into all our lives. But the Cavs getting the third pick in the draft is actually a really good for this draft. I mean, this is a top-heavy draft with four players that could all be impact players. So I hope they keep the pick. And uh, I know we don't need another 19 to 20-year-old, but my brother was telling me all about this Suggs guy from Gonzaga. That's who the first mock draft on Bleacher Report had us taking. And uh, seems like the kind of guy that you really want to build a franchise around. And uh, I know we have a ton of guards on this team, but in my opinion, I do not think Garland and Sexton are the guards that you're going to build the future of the Cavs around. The Suggs guy looks like he could be, so... There's a little bit of basketball talk slid into your Cleveland baseball morning. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Chicago. Hey, it was 7-1 Cubs, but we split the series with them. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.